I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Uh, Of course, we're always looking at uh, the back and forth as we look at this one-year anniversary of President Joe Biden's inauguration. We've been looking at uh, kind of the scorecard in terms of how he did, what happened, what went right, wrong, and indifferent. And uh, we're looking at that from a lot of different angles. Uh, We're very grateful to have join us on the program, Representative Blake Moore, representing the 1st District in Congress here for the state of Utah. Representative Moore, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd, as always. Before we get to uh, President Biden, I know you've got some specific thoughts in terms of his first year. I want to talk about your first year first. <laughs> you've you've <laughs> survived your first year as a member of the United States Congress. Uh, give us a, a broad brush. Uh, any lessons learned or surprises during year one uh, that uh, that you've been thinking about? Yeah, well, there's been lots of surprises, and I could list those on and on. Um, <clears throat> I would say, as I look back at the first year, I love how productive our team has been, despite all of the distractions that have taken place. And there are things that I've been critical of our party. There's been an enormous amount that I've been critical of Democrat leadership. And through it all, I mean, look, at, even just yesterday on a Natural Resources Committee hearing, <clears throat> we were you know, we were able to help secure making sure John Curtis's bill, the um, you know, the, the Bonneville Shoreline Trail bill gets passed through. It's been several years that that's been going. We're finding ways to still be productive. The support that we did for Hill Air Force Base being one of the, like, I'm in like second, I'm in like one of the top Republicans on that committee on natural resources that's been able to successfully pass legislation. And where like the, the, the top spot goes to a guy that's been in office for over like 48 years. And we've been very productive and I'm really proud of our team for, for, for doing that amidst all of the distractions. Yeah. Well, as we look back, as we've been uh, reflecting a little bit today, obviously the president had a, a mega press conference yesterday, uh, which is a good thing. I think it's always important for presidents of either party to stand in front of the press and answer questions in front of the American people. I think that's a good thing. Uh, as you look back at the president's first year in office, uh, what's your uh, what's your take? Yeah, my big takeaway is he just he failed to be the president that he ran to be. I look at his what he ran on and, 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 and what he was trying to do during his campaign. And the second that the Georgia election switched when that runoff didn't go. I mean, Republicans had won that election basically in November. And then after two year, two months and that runoff, uh, that when it flipped to this, to, to Dennett, to the Democrat, the two senators that are Democrat, that gave the power of Congress, that gave the power of Washington basically to the Democrat party. And all of a sudden Joe Biden sort of just flipped and he became, you know, much more liberal. He didn't try to be, you know, he didn't try to be collaborative in any way, shape, or form. You see Senator Romney make that, and and and, and you know, you see that criticism come strongly from like a, from even Senator Romney about his unwillingness to to sort of find common ground. And he's flip flopped on so many issues that he was going to take a more inclusive approach, and he's simply not done that. And frankly, 
he's suffered for it. And his and, and this isn't just me, a Republican member of Congress, complaining about the Democrat president because, you know, the age-old time of politics, that's what you do. This isn't me doing that. that this is looking at his approval rating and saying, like, that's what the American people are saying. We have, you know, the economic crisis with inflation, the energy crisis. They're up. It's, it's up 40, 49 percent of, of, of energy costs. And we're not reducing emissions anymore. It's because they don't he doesn't have a strategy and a plan mm. to implement these things. The border, the, the border is a complete mess. And it's not just that's not just rhetoric that's being spewed by my party. It, a lot of members of my party are using this as, as, as strong messengers, but they're actually messaging with a plan in place to. To, to fix what's going on there and across the board we've just seen and then ultimately the tragic loss in afghanistan i mean we lost marines lives that we shouldn't have lost for a botched afghan so the outcomes are simply just not there yeah i know you've done a, a large amount of work with uh, your colleagues across the aisle on a, on a host of different bills and projects that uh, that really matter uh, what do you what do you say to the president in terms of moving forward in 2022? Obviously, it's an election year that always seems to uh, get the uh, the wedges out as opposed to the bridges. Uh, what do you say to the president uh, in terms of what needs to happen uh, as we try to move the country for forward uh, in spite of the fact that it is a midterm election? So don't demonize the, the few brave Democrats in office right now that are pushing back on things like removing the filibuster. I mean, it's so funny how hypocritical this becomes. And, and I, and I, and I haven't had enough time in office to ever be, to, to really be hypocritical. And, and I want to be somebody that, in, you know, in, in a few years can be like, no, even if I'm in the majority, no, the filibuster has a place and we need to honor that for them, for him to push so hard to put that you need to respect what a few brave members were doing, because I believe that behind mansion and cinema, there are several more Democrat senators that, that are actually very supportive of that. Um, they just they're, 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 they can't be bold enough to, to step out in front and, and take those arrows. Look what people are saying. Recognize that and, and, and change up your strategy so we can put ourselves on the right path. Like you, you weren't elected to go in and change every single thing that the previous administration did mm. because there was a lot of good outcomes. You were elected because you were a nicer guy, right? Like that's just that's just what all the data and the polling and everything will suggest you were perceived to be a nicer guy than, than President Trump was, and then a lot of Americans wanted that. Like, look at policy and be like, oh, we've got to come together. We have to find collaboration because we did have a lot of good outcomes during President Trump's administration that we need to continue to move forward. <clears throat> I'm not out here looking for America to fail just because it's the opposing party's president in the White House right now. I want America to constantly be strong. And we're not going down that that track that track right now. Yeah. So one of the interesting things that uh, came out of the press conference yesterday, uh, I thought was interesting. There, of course, there was a lot of finger pointing and placing blame and shrugging shoulders and, and some of those kinds of things. But there was also this moment where President Biden uh, challenged Republicans to to say not just what they're against, uh, but what they're for. Uh, you know, that's something I talk about a lot on this program of uh, being against things is easy. Uh, being for things is harder. Uh, interesting, yeah. Mitch McConnell from the Senate side, uh, when asked that question later in the day, uh, did not have a great response uh, in, and seems to be taking a political tact of, hey, we're just going to hunker down and make this a, about the failures or the incomplete uh, accomplishments of the president, as opposed to putting out a vision uh, that uh, might get some pokes and, and uh, jabs at. 
Uh, as you look at that, what do you think uh, for for you individually in in your race, obviously coming up for your party specifically, uh, what is it that the Republican Party should be for in offering an alternative uh, to the Biden administration? Well, every Republican that's running for office right now should look at Glenn Youngkin, the, 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 the newly ele- elected um, governor in Virginia, and, and see what, what what was he about? You know, he was he was about a very inclusive voice and pushed education really hard. I like getting this question because I can point to seven task force, seven task forces that that we have going on right now in the the, um, minority side. And this is something I appreciate about our leadership. Um, Minority leader McCarthy has put together seven different task forces on things like healthcare, education, jobs in the economy, energy, climate and conservation, uh, immigration. And each task force is going to be putting out, you know, their vision. And so that falls on that falls on deaf ears. That's an easy thing to always say about whoever's in the minority, because it's your job to message against the current administration and yada, yada, yada. And I know Americans are sick of that. Um, And so I always point to when I have a town hall, I point to these task forces. I'm on the I asked to be on jobs in the economy because I really got excited about um, economic policy. there's, There's a few things we can course correct. Getting over this inflation is going to be tough. If Republicans talking about inflation right now, it's going to be very – it's not going to be something you can snap your fingers. But if you set up the key baseline to get us workforce, get our supply chain in, 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 in tip-top shape, like we can address some of those things. But I'm on energy, climate, and energy, climate, and conservation. And we are putting together very credible data and research to show what has been successful over the past decade – how America has led in all of these clean energy opportunities and what we would do legislatively to continue to move that stuff forward because Biden has put in moratoriums that have not been helpful, that have directly raised costs on energy. And if we can go and show how we would you know, correct that, there's your equation to get um, energy costs down. So I rebuff that comment. I know that's an easy thing for, for the president to say, what are you for? And um, that's what we're actually doing. Um, to the extent that we communicate it well enough, that will be up to us and how well we, we promote that. All right. Because Repres- we, get Repres- our, we, we get it. We, we trip over ourselves sometimes and make, make uh, you know, some members say really annoying things and they love to get attention. And then that's just what gets perceived that the Republican Party is. And that's not the case. That's not the reality. That's not the vast majority of us. All right. Representative Blake Moore, thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate your perspective and insight. It's going to be a fascinating year, and we hope a lot of things get done. Talk to you soon. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.